I do want to just reiterate our great day next Sunday. We hope that you will be making plans to be a part of that. We'd love to have you bring your friends and family members, neighbors, acquaintances, classmates. We want to see if we can fill the building. And we're going to be discussing next week in our study, taking up our cross. And so hope you will plan to be a part of that. In our study today, we're going to be talking about staying true to God. And I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20. As always, we're glad that you're here today. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know that we do count you as a honored guest. We'd love to have you come back. We're so grateful for the many visitors that come our way from week to week. And we want you to know how much we appreciate you. It might be that you're looking for a church home. We never want it to sound redundant or trite, but we would love to have you. And we need you. And we're doing our best to make known Christ in this community and around this country, throughout the country, and we want you to come and be a part of our work together. Many years ago, Charles Dickens published a book, A Tale of Two Cities. He began the opening paragraph by saying, it is the best of times and it's the worst of times. You know, a lot of ways, we're living in the best of times. I can't imagine living at any other time in the history of our world. What a great era we live in. And you think about all the advances that have been made in medicine, communication, transportation. Some of the things that we have witnessed firsthand. Things that our forefathers never dreamed of. And so in many ways, it is the best of times. But you know the flip side is, in some ways, it is the worst of times. Because the country that we love, the country in which we live, has changed dramatically. And there are so many different things that are coming at us on a daily basis. Things that would undermine our faith. Things that would make us question. A lot of different things that maybe in days gone by we had not questioned. And so in our study today, I want to talk about staying true to God. I want to begin by, first of all, prefacing our study by saying this lesson is really for our young people. It's applicable to all of us, but I can't help but think about how many young folks that we have here at Olive Branch, how blessed we are. School has begun for many of our young folks. We've got some that are going to, be, going to be leaving for college in the next few days. And so I want to talk about for a minute or two some of the things that our young folks face and will face. Those of us who are my age and older, I understand we are in many respects set in our ways. Some of the things that we're going to be talking about, it might be the case that you've made your mind up and I can't help you. I hope not, but it might be the case. But I do believe that I can help our young people. And I want our young people to know that they will always have a friend in Mike Hickson. I want them to know that I care about them. I know our elders care about them. 
I know you care about them. And so the intent of this lesson is to help keep them on track. And it might be that if they are off track, they will get back on track. So we begin by talking about our faith. Our faith, mu our faith must be safeguarded. I want you to listen again to what Paul said to Timothy. Timothy was his son in the faith. And so here's what he said. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered, suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So the bottom line is we must safeguard our faith. And we must, as Paul said, wage the good warfare. We are involved in a spiritual battle, a battle for our eternal soul. Ultimately, we want to go to heaven. So we have to understand that we are facing a determined foe, and that would be the devil. There are two things that come to mind as I think about the devil. Number one, he is resolved. He is resolved to do everything within his power to destroy our soul, isn't he? Do you remember the apostle Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant, your adversary the devil, walk at the bat as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is a very real being, and he is determined, resolved, and if he gets his way, he will get you. That's his goal. So first I think about the fact that he is resolved, and then secondly, I would suggest he is relentless. He is well up to the challenge. And just because you win the battle today does not mean he's not coming back tomorrow. He is resolved and he is relentless. In Luke chapter 4, the Bible talks about the temptations posed to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus was successful in his encounter with the devil. And Luke said that after Jesus had successfully defended himself against the devil, that the devil left him until an opportune time. In other words, he was coming back. And you can read about the life of Jesus, and you'll see time and again the devil did everything within his power to disrupt and destroy his heaven-sent mission. So first we emphasize the fact that we are facing a determined foe in the devil. But secondly, we face a destructive foe in the devil. I have listed ten things that I believe our young folks are going to face. Some have already faced. And what I want you to realize is that the things that we're talking about can be destructive to your faith. Now, Paul said that we are to wage a good warfare. And we're talking about safeguarding our faith, making sure that our faith remains intact. 
Because if you lose the battle, you will lose your soul. And you don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So, what are some things that you're going to face? What are some things that you have faced? It's an ongoing battle, isn't it? First, I want you to know that you're going to be battling alcohol. Alcohol is one of the, probably one of the most prevalent drugs in our society today. And there have been a lot of young people that have been deceived into thinking that alcohol will not impair their judgment, will not hurt their reputation, will not destroy their lives. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, Solomon said, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. And he said, Whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. The minute you take the first drink, you have demonstrated foolishness. Now I want to add to this chemical substances and drugs. It might be the misuse of prescription drugs. It might be heroin. It might be cocaine, crack, pot. A lot of different drugs out there that are used recreationally by lots of people in our world today. Now I know what a lot of young folks think, and that is it will never happen to me. I want you to listen very carefully. I do not want to conduct your funeral. Jared Rhodes does not want to conduct your funeral. But you need to understand I have conducted funerals for people that have died under the influence of alcohol, killed in an automobile accident. I did a funeral not long ago for a young man in his 20s. He died of a heroin overdose. So don't tell me it can't happen because it does happen. And there are a lot of, look, there's a reason why we call alcohol the devil's brew. There's a reason why the devil wants pushers to push their drugs on people because he understands the tremendous hold it can get on the lives of people. You will never have a problem with pot, heroin, crack, meth, alcohol if you never try it. But if you try it, it might be the case that you like it. You like the high, and before you know it, the devil has you. So don't think that it can't happen to you because it can happen to you. It has happened to people in the past. And look, again, I want to reiterate, I do not want to call at night from your mom or daddy telling me that you died in an accident and asking me to conduct your funeral. Jared doesn't want that call either. So you need to understand if you get killed drinking and driving, or if you overdose, look, look around and see your parents. It will destroy their lives forever. Don't do it. In Proverbs chapter 20, Solomon asked a series of questions. He asked, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? He said, those who 
go in search of wine, those who tarry long with wine. All he's saying is, if you want to introduce woe, sorrow, contentions, complaints, and wounds into your life, then just use the drug known as alcohol, or I would add to that, use heroin. If you want to destroy your life, if you want to destroy the lives of your parents, then just use that stuff. There are some parents in our world today that are in the battle of their lives. Their children have gotten so messed up on this stuff, and they don't know if their children are going to make it. You don't want to be a part of that number. You understand what I'm saying? You don't want to be a part of that number. So, we talk about alcohol, pot, heroin, crack. Let me add another thing to the list, smoking. Nobody that ever takes the first puff of a cigarette or a cigar says, you know what, that sure tasted great. Smoking will destroy your life. Tobacco is a menace. Don't put it in your mouth. Don't chew it, dip it, smoke it, none of that stuff. Why is that? Because you're a child of God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you. That's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God's. The bottom line is, your body belongs to God. Now, sometimes we say, I can do whatever I want with my body. No, you can't do that. Why? Because you belong to God. Think about who you are and whose you are. Number one, you're a Christian, aren't you? If you're a Christian, that means you are a follower of Christ. Do you think Jesus would have walked around in the first century with a dip in his mouth? What about a cigarette or a cigar? You really think Jesus would have done that? No. I can tell you about some people that wish they had never picked up a cigarette. I can tell you about some people that wish they had never taken that first dip or that first chew because they have cancer. Some folks... They're in eternity now because they started using tobacco at an early age. And you know what it did? It destroyed their lives. I had a boss when I worked at Coca-Cola as a, as a teenager. I worked in the loading department. I remember our boss retired, so they pulled a guy off of one of the route trucks and made him our supervisor. The reason they did that because he had emphysema so bad, he couldn't walk from here to the end of the street without having to stop and catch his breath. Tell me one time, he said, I got up in the middle of the night, this was summertime, he said, I stood in front of the air conditioner with my mouth open, just trying to get some air into my lungs. You don't want that. Tobacco, stay away from it. It will destroy your life. There's another thing we need to talk about. It is your sexual purity. I cannot overemphasize to you. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said, keep yourself pure. A lot of young folks in our world today are engaging in sexual relationships outside of marriage. You can't do that. Why is that? Because you're a child of God. Here's what Paul said. I want you to listen to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul said, flee fornication. That means don't do it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3, this is the will of God. What's God's will? That you abstain from fornication. 
Did you get that? Paul said, you can't do that kind of stuff. Why? Because you're a child of God. If you start sleeping around, you will destroy your reputation. Never get it back. I can tell you that. Maintain your sexual purity. Paul said, the marriage bed is undefiled. But I want you to listen to what he said. Fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. You know what he's saying? He's saying if you do that kind of stuff, you will lose your soul. You don't want to lose your soul. I know there are a lot of people in our society today. There are a lot of folks in, there are a lot of folks in middle school, high school, college. They have no problem with sexual relations outside of marriage. Don't fall into that trap. Say no. I can't overemphasize to our young people enough Please, please, please think about what you're doing. Don't be persuaded into doing something that you know is wrong. Once you lose your purity, you'll never get it back. Did you hear what I'm saying? You'll never get back, ever. There's another thing we need to talk about. It has to do with your friends and companions your peers. If you run with a bad crowd, guess what? It's going to come back to haunt you. The Bible says that those who walk with wise people will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. That's what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 13. Solomon also said the righteous should choose his friends carefully. You need to think about the kind of people you run with. And I want to take it a step further. As a young person, when you start getting involved with someone through dating, and you start thinking about the kind of person you want to marry, I want you to understand, you don't even need to give a second thought to marrying somebody outside the body of Christ. Do not marry somebody who does not have your values in the faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amos asked this question. Can two walk together except they be agreed? You marry somebody outside the body of Christ. Let me tell you what they're going to do. They will bring you down. They'll bring you down. Why? Because they don't believe what you believe. They don't act like you act. There's a sense of oneness in marriage. And so you have the blending of two people into one. Jesus said, there are no more two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. When you enter into marriage, it is for life. You understand that? So if you make a bad choice, then that means you are in a bad marriage for life. You don't want that. There are too many good people out there. There are too many Christians out there. You find somebody that's just right for you, somebody who is a faithful child of God. Think about it this way. Marry somebody that's going to help you get to heaven. Isn't that the ultimate goal? What was it Paul said? Set your affection on things above, not on things which are upon this earth. You want to go to heaven? You better marry a Christian. I know somebody says, well, I married a non-Christian. It worked out okay for me. It may do. It may, it, that may be true. Are there success stories? Yes, there are. There are people that have married unbelievers and they have 
led that person to Christ, but let me tell you what, there are a lot of folks, they can tell you some stories that would make you, would make you weep at some of the things that they have to face every single day. It can be a fight. I mean, it can be a real fight. And you think about when you have little ones. You're married to an unbeliever and you've got children now. And you're trying to get your kids in Christ and they're trying to keep them out of Christ. Make it easy on yourself. Marry a Christian. Please, marry a Christian. There's a sixth thing you need to think about and that is materialism and money. Money is not everything. Material goods are not every. I know what the world says. The world says you're somebody if you have something. That is, if you've got a lot of money, if you have power and prestige, then you are somebody. And there are a lot of people in our world today, they want to find a profession that's going to make them a lot of money. I don't have a problem making a lot of money. I don't think there's anything wrong with money. The question is, do you control the money or does the money control you? You see, what happens is sometimes we get to thinking that we don't ever have enough. And so rather than serving God and living for Him on a daily basis, we start serving the things that we have purchased. We start serving the almighty dollar. And we have this idea that if we could just get more, if we could have a better job, if we could have more money or a better house or a better automobile or nicer clothes, then somehow we'd be happy. Here's what Paul said. Listen to him. Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Great gain. Paul's simply saying, look, you think money's going to make you happy. That's not true. Those of you that are going to college, those of you that want to go to college one day, those of you that may go to a trade school, maybe you don't want to go to college and you want to find a career that you're going to be happy in, I would encourage you to do this. Find something you love to do. Forget about the money. I know you've got to make a living, but don't think about the money. Think about what can I do so that when I get up in, in the morning, I'll love what I do. If you love what you do, it's not work. I love what I do. Do I dread Monday? No, I do not. I love it. I am blessed to do something I love to do. So I would encourage you, find something you love to do and do it with all your might. That's what Solomon said. So, alcohol, pot, heroin, crack, smoking, sexual purity, friends, companions, materialism, and money. And oh, by the way, Paul said, but they that are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and stare in many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some men, having reached after, have pierced themselves through with many sorrows, listen to him, and been led astray from the faith. But you know what Paul said? But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, hope, love, and meekness. So there's something more than just making a living. There's a seventh thing I want to talk to you about, and that's profanity. Don't get in the habit of using bad language. It's amazing to me that we live in an era today when people, people use curse words so regularly. I told you about the movie I read about not long ago. They said one particular word was used over 500 times in this movie. 
Could I ask you a question? Don't you think that's a little bit of overkill? Some of these guys that are creating movies and television shows today, their mind is in the gutter. And you watch it, you listen to it, guess what? Your mind will be in the gutter. Garbage in, garbage out. Solomon said, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Paul said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I know sometimes folks think that they are something when they use bad language. So they just got to emphasize something using a curse word, baloney. Baloney. You don't have to use a curse word to impress somebody. You want to impress somebody, use your education and use good language. Pure speech. An eighth thing, you are living in an anti-Christian culture. And by that I simply mean we are living in a day and time in which the media and Hollywood and a lot of other people in our world, they are using us as a whipping post. We are living in an era when people today have a disdain for God. We're living in an era today in which people today have no use for the Word of God. And you need to understand that. You need to realize what you're up against. John said the whole world lies under the sway, listen to him, of the wicked one. It's real. And there are people today that will poke fun at you because you say you're a Christian. And there are people today that will say, you mean to tell me you listen to what the Bible has to say? Are you kidding me? You know what you need to say? That's right, I am. Call me old-fashioned. Call me narrow-minded. Call me a bigot. Call me whatever you want. But I believe this book is the book of all books. And I believe God is the God of heaven and earth. And in this pluralistic age in which we live, in this day and time when people say, look, doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter in whom you believe, you're going to step aside and say, let's just go to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Let's just park the car there for a minute and listen to what Peter said. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You got it? Jesus is not just the way, he is the only way. Do I believe that? Yes, I do. Will I stand up and shout that? Yes, I will. You don't like it? Tough. We live in an anti-Christian culture, but you know what? We are, in many cases, the silent majority. It's time for us to stand up and speak up, isn't it? And I'd add to it, suit up, Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God. Suit up, stand up, and speak up. Too many folks in our world today have allowed, too many folks in the church today have allowed those to the left influence them to cower in fear. Too many people in the body of Christ have recanted their faith. Can't do that. Well, we're not going to finish. I got a lot more material. Therefore, 
What we're going to do is drive a peg down right here. I don't like to, I don't like to do this, but we're out of time. So, we will pick up here tonight. I want to encourage you to come back because we've got a lot more to talk about. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you need to understand that Jesus loves you. And the Bible says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, the Lord wants you to be one of His, doesn't He? What would you need to do? Well, you need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, John 8, 24. And then you must repent of your sins, Acts 17, verse 30. Confess His name before others, Acts 8, verse 37. Be baptized into Christ so that all your sins be washed away, Acts 22, 16. When you do that, God puts you in the church, Acts 2, verse 47. If you're faithful until death, you'll receive the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. Now, if you're here today, whether young, middle-aged, more mature, whatever, and you are a member of the body of Christ and you have not safeguarded your faith, and you have fallen prey to the devil, i got good news for you, and that is you can come back to the Lord. He'll take you back. John said if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we would be more than happy to pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing.